I'm reading from the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, 1 to 10. He, like a lily among thorns, is my darling among the young women. She, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead me to the banquet hall, and let his banner over me be love. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Listen, my beloved. <coughs> Excuse me. Look here, he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle of a young stag. Look, there he stands behind her wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. So far the reading. The book uh, Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs. That's the way it is in the Hebrew. The Song of Songs. Uh, this is a book on my shelf. This is just on the Song of Solomon. It's 800 pages, and uh, for a long time, this was the definitive work, and uh, this is no longer the definitive work. Now there are ones that are even bigger than this on, on the Song of Solomon, but uh, interesting. You know the book is different from the very first line of the book, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. That's how it starts. And uh, so, you know, this is different biblical material than, uh, than your normal Bible book. Um, in the past, uh, interpreters tended to take this as an uh, allegory of God's love for us or Jesus' love for us. And so as they would read through the book, it's just talking about how close and how much God loves you. Uh, I don't think that's the best way to take it. I think the best way to take it is as an example of a loving relationship and how they express that love to each other and how they feel about each other. And uh, I think that's the best way to take the book. And as you go through the book, chapters 1 through 3 are kind of like courtship, uh, getting to know each other. At the end of chapter 3, you have a wedding procession Chapter 4, you have a wedding, you have the consummation of the wedding, and then you have the first problems after the honeymoon and uh, how those are resolved. And as you, as you go through the book, you'll see that. One of the problems with the book is that it's written in poetry. Poetry is difficult to handle at the best of times. Even English poetry is hard much less poetry that is 3,000 years old, written in a different language, in a different culture. Uh, you really have to slow down and think about it. Anyways, that's what we're going to do today. I think you'll enjoy it. Lynn, there is a PowerPoint uh, for this. Slide number one. A lover's job is to prize your lover above all others. If you go to the next slide. Prize your lover above all others. Uh, notice verse 1, chapter 2. 
I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. This is the beloved or the woman speaking. If you have a modern translation, they usually put the individual who is speaking it, as you do in your bulletin. The beloved, I'm a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valley. And the lover says, like a lily among thorns is my darling among the maidens. And she's saying, I am a rose of the field, and I'm a lily of the valley. And I think she means, you know something? I am beautiful, but I'm just common. I'm a common beauty. She feels good about herself, but she goes, it's not that special. And he responds with, no, you're a lily among thorns. Every other woman... <laughs> is like a thorn compared to you. You stand out. You're the best. And uh, she's come a long way from chapter 1. This is what she says about herself in chapter 1. Dark am I, yet lovely. Daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Cater, like the tent curtains of Solomon, do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me, made me take care of the vineyards, and my own vineyard I had to neglect. And so she says, I don't look that good because look at my skin, it's too dark, because I've had to work outside all of the time, and my hands aren't that nice because they've got calluses on them, and so don't look at me, I'm not that lovely. But as she spends time with him, she gets to the place where, you know something, I'm a rose of Sharon and a lily of the... She starts to believe what he's telling her, that she is beautiful and that she's attractive. And he keeps reinforcing that. You're a lily among the thorns. You're the best. I see you and I see someone who's beautiful, more beautiful than anybody else. I like what I see. Dark from the sun, I remember... My grandfather was a farmer, and back in the day, he used to have the horses and with the plow, and eventually he was one of the first people in Kent County to get a tractor, and he would be out on a tractor all day long. But there were no cabs over tractors in those days, no air conditioning like Mac has in his tractor. They had to work back then, Mac. Anyways, my grandfather, the back of his neck and his arms, you would think he was, he was a black man. If you just saw his neck and his arms, it was just black. And, I, and, and we lived in Tennessee at the time. And I remember looking at him going, man, I see a lot of people that look just like that in Tennessee. And then he would take his shirt off, and it would be lily white. And it's not a good look. <laughs> and it's like it's just a straight line, black and then white. And uh, that's kind of like what she's saying. She's saying, you know something, I'm not that attractive. I've had to work outside all the time, and I haven't been able to take care of myself and make myself beautiful. And he is saying, you are beautiful. You're the best. And she's starting to believe it. So point number one is prize your lover above all others and say it. 
And uh, I love, of course, the way he says it. Or notice this. Uh, it's your job as a lover to build your lover's self-esteem. That's your job. Your partner should feel better about themselves because they're in a relationship with you. They should feel good about themselves. That's part of your job to do that. Um, one interpreter explained it this way. When she says, I'm a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valley, he says, a modern metaphor would be this. I'm like a dandelion in the outfield. And there's a kind of beauty to that. But there's a kind of yuckiness to it, too. <laughs> a dandelion in the outfield. And his response is, no, you're a lily among thorns. Um, and then the third thing I've got up there is speak of the closeness of your relationship. Notice, like a lily among thorns is my darling among the maidens. My darling. Um, kind of like one of those uh, beautiful little names that you would have. And, and one way to translate that, I, I like translating it as, you're my girlfriend. My girlfriend among the maidens, my close one that I love. My darling among the maidens. Point number two. Go to the next slide. Enjoy time together. Notice verse 3. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Again, now she's saying the same kind of things that he said. She's now saying like an apple tree among the trees of the forest. Here we are out on a walk, and we're going through the forest, pine tree, oak tree, a dead ash tree, and then uh, you come across an apple tree with apples on it, and you go, wow, that's kind of nice. Look at that beautiful tree. And uh, she says that's the way he is, the apple tree among the trees of the forest. He sticks out. He's better than all the rest. So is my beloved among the young men, my doty. My beloved, my doty. I like it. Dodie, because that's where the name David comes from. Uh, Dalit, Vav, Dalit. Dodie. Dode is David, beloved, the E on the end, my beloved. My beloved among the young men. She calls him my beloved, my Dodie, and he always calls her my girlfriend, my special friend. Um, the first thing I've got up there, my lover's presence is better than any others. Okay, I just talked about that. Notice the second thing up there. I enjoy the benefits of my lover. As an apple tree among the trees of the forest, with great delight I sit in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. And you sit in the shadow to feel good physically, and it makes you feel secure makes you relaxed and peaceful and it's pleasant and fun. And that's the way he is for her. She loves to be with him. She feels better because she's with him. 
And notice, his fruit was sweet to my taste. Some like to take that as sexual. I don't think it is. I think it's referring as the things that he produces, the deeds and the words. She loves it. She loves what he has to say. She loves what he does. She loves the way he acts. So the conversation, the plans for dates, the time together, the spiritual conversation, the way he carries himself, all of that is attractive to her, like fruit, and she eats it up. I wrote, isn't it wonderful to be with your lover and your spouse? You can just be yourself, and you find rest there. You don't have to be guarded. You can just enjoy yourself. That's the way it should be. We should make it that way for our spouse. Um, it's interesting. The man that wrote that book gave me two secular songs. The first song, In the Shade of the Old Apple Tree. How many of you know that song? I'd never heard it before. In the shade of the old apple tree, when the love in your eyes I could see, when the voice that I heard, like the song of the bird, seemed to whisper sweet music to me. Or this one, Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree. Now, I never knew what was going on under the apple tree. Like, what were you older people doing back in the day under the apple tree that they wrote these songs about them? I wrote my mother, I wrote my father, now I'm writing you too. I'm sure of mother, I'm sure of father, now I want to be sure of you. Don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me, anyone else but me, anyone else but me. No, no, no. What was going on under the apple tree? Um, I was just thinking, uh, one of these years, I'm going to have to take Joanne apple picking. Okay. Um, let's see, that was verse 3. <laughs> verse 4. Um, go to the next slide, please, Lynn. Oh, no, go, go back, go back a slide. Oh, stay, no, yeah, go back to that publicized one. One more. Okay, publicize your love. Verse 4. He has take, he's taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. I surprised at the translation. Literal translation is, he brought me to the house of wine. And uh, I could not find any translations that have house of wine. That, that's the way it should be translated. And um, I thought it was interesting that they don't translate it that way. Uh, the idea was is that you go to the house of wine and there you drink wine together and that's kind of like a, a thing you do on a date. You go and drink this wine and that's that supposed to lead to something else. Uh, you see it a couple of places in the Bible. You see it with Esther and the king. So when she invites the king to the banquet about chapter 5, the first thing they do in the chapter is they drink wine together. 
And then that's when Haman, that's when she says, I've got a problem and uh, I want to talk to you about it again tomorrow. And then chapter 7, they get together again for a second banquet and what they do is they then drink wine together and then that's when Haman finds out he's in trouble. It also happens in Daniel chapter 5. Belshazzar sitting around with the nobles and they're drinking wine together and that's when they ask for the utensils from the uh, tabernacle to be brought out, the temple to be brought out, and they would use those in, this, in their wine tasting. Well, Solomon picks up on that. He brought me to the house of wine, drinking some wine, and she said, his banner over me is love. The banner, this is the woman I love. This is my loved one. So now everyone sees this is his girl. Publicize your love. Others should know this is the one for me. I was listening to someone uh, at Wheaton College and there were uh, some young men in the dorm together and this one man decided he was finally going to ask another girl out for a date, going to ask a girl out for a date. And so they said, okay, we want to film it. He said, okay. He said, I think this is the one for me. This is the girl. So they hid in the bushes, filming it, while he went up to ask her out for this first date. And you could hear them in the background. And in the background, they're saying, we're filming this for you, his kids, so you can see how it all started. <laughs> they showed the video at their wedding. <laughs> now, that's publicizing your love. <laughs> but that might be getting the cart a little too far before the horse, right? He hasn't even been out on a date yet. Let, other know, let, her, let others know, this is the girl for me. She's the one that I love. If you go back a slide, this is old material, and uh, if you don't know this, if you've heard it before, you can tune out for five minutes. If you've never heard this, this is uh, very important. Gary Chapman wrote a book. This is actually out of our church library. The Five Love Languages. And uh, these are the five ways that you express love to your spouse or to someone else. And everyone responds usually to one or two of them. One of them is your heartfelt love language. And you could be doing three of these for your spouse, but if they're, if they're not the one he or she appreciates, their feeling is he doesn't really love me. For example, let me just tell you what they are, first of all. Words of affirmation. Okay, let, let me put it this way. You do all of these when you're dating. <laughs> you show up on a date, and you say to your date, what's the first thing you say? You look good today. You look, you look really good. 
I, I, like, I like what you're doing with your hair. Or you might say, I've been waiting all day to see you. This is the highlight of my day. Okay, words of affirmation. Quality time. It's just me and you. Right? That's what a date is. We're spending this time with each other and we're, we're prioritizing each other over everything else. And receiving gifts, of course, you're going to buy her some nice earrings and a gold bracelet and uh, you're going to pay for the meal and you're going to... Gifts and acts of service. You're going to open her car door. You're going to help her. And you're going to do whatever you can to, 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 to serve her. And finally, physical touch, you're going to hold hands. Right? You, you do all five of those when you're dating. When you get married. <laughs> all five of those things. All five of those things that said to your partner, I love you. All five of them are dropping off the map. And uh, we wonder why mar you know, people in marriages feel sad or don't feel loved. Uh, it's because the very things that brought us to love and expressed that love, we're no longer doing. Um, for instance, use my relationship as an example, with trepidation... Let's say I went to the flower shop and I bought some nice flowers and brought them home to Joanne. Okay, that's number three, receiving gifts. And I brought the flowers into the house. She would go, how much did that cost? <laughs> that's not her love language. <laughs> But if it is your wife's love language and you're just picking up daisies on the side of the road <laughs> and bringing them home, she's feeling like she's not loved. And if you're not buying her jewelry on the anniversary, she's feeling like she's not loved. And if I do it, I'm in the doghouse. <laughs> okay? You, you, because... Your spouse, one of these is their language, and you should know what that one is. You should still be doing all of them, but that one is important. Um, anyways, if you want to know more about that, read the book. <laughs> uh, when I say physical touch, that's not, that's, we're not talking about sex there. We're talking about things like holding hands and kissing and sitting each, next to each other with your arms. You know, just... Ongoing touching says, I love you. Okay. Um, I should be able to ask any one of you which one is the love language of your spouse, and you should know that. This is what speaks to my spouse. Okay? Uh, it might be you as a man, um, you like acts of service. That's what speaks love to you, so that's what you do for her. 
So she comes home, and you cook the meal, and you clean up the meal, and you wash the floor, and uh, you do the laundry, and you cut the lawn, and you change the oil in the car, and you make the bed, and uh, <laughs> you're doing all of these things, acts of service, because that's what speaks to you, and her feeling, she might want quality time. And her feeling is, well, he's always busy doing stuff. He's not spending time with me because he's doing things. And she just wants you to be with her and to do things together. Okay, that's, that's what we mean by you should know your spouse's love language. What is it that says love to her and do that? And you see this in the, in the Song of Solomon. That they're, hitting, they're hitting all five of these things in the book. Okay, next slide. Publicize your love. Talk about that one. Next slide. Feed your love. Verse 5. Strengthen me with raisins. Refresh me with apples. For I am faint with love. It's physical. She's so loved. She's, she's so much in love. She's sick. Almost can't take it. There's a real physical thing going on. And I think verse 6 is, I want him to do this. Let his left arm be under my head and let his right arm embrace me. I want that physical touch. I want that to feed our love. Um, Everly Brothers wrote a song that says, Love Hurts. <laughs> Next slide. Don't hurry, love. Verse 7. By the way, this is repeated three times in the book. It's one of the main themes of the book. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it desires, until it so desires. The gazelles and the does are animals of love. They look beautiful. They're attractive. You love to see them when they're in the field. Don't you love driving by and you see a, see a deer out in the field maybe with its fawn and you go, oh, well, that's a beautiful sight. Um, not only are they beautiful, but they're graceful and they're, they're fertile uh, animals of love. And he says, on the basis of, of love, don't stir up love or don't awaken love until it pleases. And our culture today runs counter this. Our culture would say, if you've got the urges, do it. Go for it. You got a feeling? Just go and express it. It's dangerous to stop it. But this wise advice is, don't rush this. Wait for the right time, the right person. And it's interesting, in all this talk about love and affection and expressing it with your partner, they say, wait, don't push this. You might like what we're telling you. Don't go, go, don't go after it too fast. Don't stir it up. Don't waken it up. You try to have this too fast, you try to have it too early, and you're just going to have a mess of it. 
express your feelings in appropriate way. There's a song about this, too. From the Supremes. I need love, love, to ease my mind. I need to find, find someone to call mine. But Mama said, you can't hurry love. No, you'll just have to wait. She said, love don't come easy. It's a game of give and take. You can't hurry love. If you're, if you're young like me, you don't remember the Supremes. Actually, I remember the Supremes. <laughs> the Dixie Chicks also sang it. And Phil Collins. Wait, you can't hurry love. Do it at the right time with the right person. Don't rush into it too fast. Finally, next slide. Enjoy the beautiful world together. Notice verse 8. Listen, my doty. Look, here he comes, leaping over the mountains and bounding over the hills. My lover's like a gazelle or a young stag. Now, by the way, notice how excited he is. <laughs> he is so excited to be with her. It's like he's this deer that's bounding, trying to get to her. There he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. She's not coming to the door fast enough, so he's looking through the window. Where is she? Come on. My lover spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. And here's the rest. He says, the winter is past. The rains are over. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. Come, my darling, my girlfriend, come with me. like uh, the world is a better place because we're in love and everything about it is great let's go out and enjoy it together a husband and wife had been married 60 years they had no secrets except one the woman kept in her closet a shoebox she said to her husband don't ever open that shoebox but when she was on her deathbed with her blessing, he opened the box, and he found it, he found in there a crocheted doll, $95,000 in cash. She said, my mother told me the secret to a happy marriage was to never argue. Instead, I should keep quiet and crochet a doll. Her husband was touched. Only one doll in the box. That meant she'd been angry with him only once in 60 years. But what about all this money, he asked. Oh, she said, that's the money I made from selling the dolls. <laughs> well, we're going to end on the joke. Practice your love languages this week. And let's close with a word of prayer.